When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 96 of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your host, Trevor Shackles. It's 2022 and the Senators have just begun an insane stretch where they're playing a game literally every second day until the end of the season. And today's episode will probably be a bit shorter than usual. It's just going to be me again, as honestly it was a bit rushed getting it together. But I still think there are some interesting things to talk about today. And, you know, the most recent thing that's been talked about a lot are Ottawa's injuries. And as of now... Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, Connor Brown, Shane Pinto, Colin White, and Nikita Zaitsev are out. Plus, even Eric Brandstrom is uh, just coming back from the COVID list. So, you've had all these injuries recently, and it's quite unfortunate because they've been playing quite well, especially since their dreadful November, where they could just not... I think they won one game that month. Um, and, you know, they're getting back into the swing of things. They're actually playing well, 9-5-3 and three in their last... Uh, what would that be? 18 games. Uh, sorry, 17 games. And some of these injuries really begin to derail things. But as we saw a few nights ago, it's not as if they are incapable of playing these good games. I mean, they lost to the Ducks 2-1 the other night, but outshot them by more than 2-1 ratio. So it is quite impressive, but you know, we have Josh Norris out, and we're not sure how long he's going to be out. I think there's going to be an update update tomorrow, so perhaps while you're listening to this, you already know how long he's out. Could be a week or two, could be a few months. Hopefully, it's it's just that week or two. And then you have Drake Batherson, who, I mean, it, it sounds like, you know, he, he'll be at least out for a few months, potentially even the whole season. And that one really gets to me. I think... Arendelle's hit on him was just absolute garbage, just trash. And I'm, I'm happy that Brady Kachuk spoke up against that after the game because, he, you know, he called it what it is. And that's a play that there's no there's no place for it in the game as a goalie. And the trashy thing about that is Dell has done that. That's, I think, the third time he's done that to an opposing forward who is unsuspecting of him and just nails him right into the boards like, if you're a forward coming in behind the net, you should not be expecting that a goalie is going to, you know, drill you into the boards. I mean, that's a boarding penalty. Even if, even if Dell was a defenseman, that would still be a penalty. So, just completely unsuspecting. And, you know, the fact that Dell has done this before, it's just, it really bugs me. And, you know, Batherson was over a point-per-game player, 34 points in 31 games. Just... Yeah, I, I can't remember being that angry and, and, and mad about an injury in a long time, especially uh, over these past few seasons. But yeah, so so Batherson's out a while. That that really sucks. And, you know, I guess the slightest silver lining is that Dell got suspended three games. But, I mean, that's not, um, you know, that's, that's not going to be any form of justice at all. Like, 
it doesn't really change anything. It just makes it slightly better because he got that suspension. And then he was even placed on waivers by Buffalo, uh, I believe, on Saturday. So maybe a bit of cosmic justice there for Dell. But besides him, you have Connor Brown, who, you know, still out several more weeks after that broken jaw. And that right side is extremely depleted. Now you have Tyler Ennis, Adam Gaudet, Igor Sokolov, and, and Austin Watson. And certainly not a right side that you like to see. And, and some of those guys have been good. I mean, Ennis had, um, I think he scored four goals recently over the, over the last little bit. And Adam Gaudet has actually looked quite solid as well. Like, probably not guys that you would want in the top six regularly. But, you know, they for their depth roles, they've, they've done their job so far, which is good. And Sokolov still doesn't have his first NHL point, but, you know, he's getting there. He's gotten some chances. Um, it looked like he was going to get his first against Anaheim the other night, but didn't quite finish. And, you know, it's sort of forgotten about Shane Pinto and Colin White, but it looks like Colin White can return in the near future. Pinto, who knows um, if he's actually going to get into some games by the end of the season here. But Colin White is an interesting name because I've... I kind of sort of just completely forgot about him. And then, uh, you know, he, he was spotted practicing at some point earlier in the week. And I don't think he's really going to be a, a huge difference maker. But I think if he's just good on that third line, I'm happy. And I think most people would be happy with that. Um, you know, because depth matters. And, and you can't just have Josh Norris and Shane Pinto in the top six. You're going to need a another center there as well. Um well, and I guess Tim Stutzla as well, if, if he's playing center too. So you're going to need a, a competent third-line center, and hopefully that's what White can be. Um, still, there is a possibility that he gets bought out in the offseason because if they do buy him out, they would only be on the hook for a third of his of his cap hit. So they would, if there was a time to buy him out, it would be this offseason rather than the following one. I, I still think he has value, but... It's certainly a, a big contract, especially for a guy who is probably just going to be on their third line and, you know, maybe is going to give you 40 points in a season. It, it's just unfortunate that he was given that contract right after playing with Mark Stone. And uh, I, I don't think I don't think White is a bad player, but he certainly benefited from playing with Stone. And that's why he has that contract, essentially. So, you know. Cap it wise, he's not worth having around. Like he's probably more of like a two and a half million dollar player, but it'll still be good to have him around, especially with so many of these injuries recently, especially at center. And Nikita Zaitsev was that last guy that I mentioned who is out and looks like he's going to be returning soon. Although I would say they've been better off without without him and and you know having Lassie Thompson and Jacob Bernard Docker in the lineup. And I, I Thompson and Bernard Docker haven't been fantastic necessarily especially if if you look at their their numbers under the hood but they do look more and more confident especially Thompson he's he's been a, a pleasant surprise I would say in terms of his poise and his ability to you know pass a puck and you know just just dance around some players so I don't know if they are necessarily locks as like top four defensemen or anything but I do feel decently confident that at least one of them can be long-term players on the Senators back end and it'll be interesting to see what DJ Smith does with Zaitsev back there um, you know is he going to keep Josh Brown in the lineup or is he going to want to keep one or even both of Thompson and, and Bernard Docker in there probably not but 
Um, you know, we'll get into Eric Brandstrom later in the episode as well, but I, I, I am curious to see how the team plays once Zaitsev comes back because I, I really don't think they need him in the lineup, but we know that Smith really likes him, so who knows about that. And although the recent injuries have, have put a damper on things, the good news from this season has just been how good their top players have been. And, and we talked about this last episode as well, but it it just really sucks that Batherson got hurt because, you know, he was on pace for a 90-point season. That, you know, if he was going to play all, all 82 games. And, you know, we haven't seen a guy put up those those kind of numbers in in over a decade in Ottawa. Um, hell, I mean, even the last 30-goal scorer was both Jason Spezza and Milan Mahalik in 2011-12. And, I mean... They had Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, and Drake Batherson on on pace for those 30 goals. And now after some injuries and, um, you know, Kachuk hasn't scored in a while, who knows if they're actually going to get any of them to that point. So I think long-term, obviously, like it's not as if those injuries matter, but just from a, I guess, like an aesthetically pleasing point of view, uh, you know, it's, it's always nice to look at stat pages and see, oh, wow, this guy had 80 points or 90 points or 40 goals or whatever. Not seeing that from Batherson is, is going to be irritating. And and hopefully next season he can be on a similar pace at least. But Josh Norris is in a similar camp here. He was on pace for 41 goals and only 59 points, which is interesting. Um, just th- those lack of assists are potentially a bit worrisome. But his finishing ability has just been elite. And that will probably come back down to earth a little bit. But it's pretty clear that he's a fantastic finisher, you know, a guy that you can easily have on your, on your top line playing with Batherson and, and whomever. But then again, we have Tim Stutzel as well, who he, you know, continues to improve and now he's looking great at center. And I think long-term you have to pencil him in above Josh Norris on that top line. And having that one-two combo of Stutzel and Norris is, you know, that has potential to be very lethal and you know he Stutzel's on pace for 44 points which doesn't seem incredible I mean he was essentially on that pace last season as well but that doesn't quite tell the whole story he's had a ton of missed opportunities and just highlight real plays that either he didn't necessarily finish or his teammates didn't finish and once Ottawa you know is a playoff team or if hopefully you know in the next in the next few seasons, I think more of those shots and, and rebounds are going to go in. What's also encouraging with Stutzla is that he's tied for fourth in the NHL in drawn penalties. So I, I I believe he had drawn 22 penalties as of as of the weekend, which I mean that's a skill. Connor McDavid leads the league in that, and that's because he has the puck so much, and you know he's just going so fast that he's going to be drawing these hooks and these trips and all those things and Stutzla he, he's just very good at it and I, I you know I saw some comments that he embellishes a lot and I, I just really don't agree with that I in general I'm very anti-embellishment in terms of I don't know it's it's not always easy to stay on your feet in the NHL especially if you're a small young guy like Stutzla so I think a lot of the time he just falls because he's not as strong as he's going to be um, you know, over the next few years. And yeah, like some of these, or most of these are penalties. And I would argue that 
especially earlier on in the season, he would she should have been getting more penalties um, drawn on um, you know from his opponent. So he's been fantastic at that, and I'm quite confident in him moving forward. And another guy we got to talk about is Alex Formanton, who, man, I, I, it's hard to put into words how fun it has been to watch this guy. He, he just can't stop. I mean, he's got 14 points in 15 games. You know, pretty much every time he's he's been getting a point, I've been updating the, you know, Formanton stat counter on, on Twitter, just saying, oh, he's got 13 points in 13 games and 14 and 14. He didn't get one last game, so. Um, slightly under a point per game in those last 15. What's crazy is he's he's only, quote-unquote, only on pace for 45 points just because he only had two in his first 17. So just really shows you how much he caught up over the last couple months because he's just been one of the Senators' best players. And the advanced stats show that as well. You know, he's had a fantastic impact offensively and defensive, defensively and especially on, on the penalty kill as well. So this is a guy who, when he first came into the league, when you know he had his first trial run when he was 18 years old, he was pretty much just a speedster. That's all he could essentially do. And you knew this was a player that was going to be raw and, and needed to refine his, his skills and his offensive ability. And even the beginning of the season, he looked like a much different player. He looked like a guy who still needed his hands to catch up to his feet and all of a sudden it, it seems like he's figured it out and that can be absolutely lethal because having a guy who is probably if not the fastest probably like the second fastest player in the league maybe only behind Connor McDavid and hell I don't know maybe they'd even tie um, but having a guy with that speed who can kill penalties and all of a sudden now he can actually put the puck in the net and, and give you 20 goals, maybe even more than 20 goals a season. Incredibly valuable. Um, I'm not expecting him to be McDavid or something like that. I think I think he can probably settle into the, the 50 to 60 point range, but that is someone who's very valuable. And all of a sudden I, I feel a lot more confident in him being able to stay in the top six on that second line because for a while there, I, I wasn't really seeing that ceiling necessarily. I was more looking at, at him as a, a third-line player. And who knows? He definitely could fall back to earth and, um, you know, finish with like 35 points or something, which even if that happened, I still would say he has more room to grow. And, and if he does end up being more of a, a third-line guy, that's totally fine because as we've seen over the years Ottawa really struggles to have good depth players so Formanton will be valuable either way but it has just been so much fun to watch him because usually it was his speed that was was fascinating to watch but now it's his speed and his skill you know he's making dangles around defensemen he's making these fantastic moves that you know for a second it looks like it's Stutzla out there and then he realized oh no that's number 10 that's Formanton so yeah, it has been quite nice to see this burst of offense all of a sudden, pretty much out of nowhere. And, you know, not not as if he was a bad player in the AHL or anything. I mean, he had 53 points in 61 games. So we knew he had that in him, but he just really hadn't shown it at the NHL level. So that's fantastic to see. And 
And then also, of course, the captain, Brady Kachuk. He's better than in previous seasons. He's on pace for 63 points. And and that's after, you know, cooling off over the last several games as well. So, you know, before he was closer to a point per game. But if he's giving you 60-plus points and he's, you know, being a pest and getting a ton of shots and, and hits and things like that, you got to be very happy with that. So I'm quite happy with his contract. I'm happy with his captaincy. And two more I got to mention in terms of top guys being excellent are, of course, Thomas Shabbat and, and Artem Zub, who continue to, to be fantastic defensemen. So, you know, that's seven players who I'm, I'm very confident in moving forward. And it, it's great that... You know, I would say coming into last season, so pretty much a year ago, so many of the guys, these guys were big question marks. So we had no idea what Artem Zub was. Stutzla hadn't played. Batherson and Norris hadn't cemented themselves. Neither had Formanton. You know, I guess, and, and even Connor Brown, um, not that I included him in this list, but, you know, Connor Brown, we didn't know what he was going to be necessarily. I guess Brady Kachuk was really the only one who had established himself as an NHLer, but we still wanted to see more. So now so many of these guys have actually cemented their roles. We know what they are, and some of them can potentially be even better. So it's really, really encouraging to see because I think I think these guys' ceilings, like these seven players, are higher than we actually thought. Maybe some of you were, you know, quite high on, on a lot of them and and you know, we all have our, our different takes and, and opinions on things in the past, but I I feel better about that group moving forward. I think they still could use another high-end player, like potentially, you know, Jake Sanderson, who I'm going to mention in a second, but also another forward as well. But it's, it, it, it is seeming much better than it was a year ago, but depth is still a massive issue, and they're really going to have to figure that out over the offseason if they want to be a playoff team next season, because I don't see how they can just sit around and expect next season to be a another rebuilding year because, you know, the time's ticking and they need to do something. So they have the top pieces set in, you know, in the top six and the, on the top pairing, things like that. But they're really going to have to bring in a, you know, a handful of, of players to surround them and actually be a competitive team next season. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And one of the ways to do that is Jake Sanderson. So defense this year has been atrocious. It's been atrocious for quite a while now. Pretty much, I guess, since 16-17. But, you know, there are some reinforcements coming. And like I mentioned, one of those reinforcements is Jake Sanderson. So we know he's going to arrive in early spring from UND. And he'll immediately get into games. This won't be a Bernard Docker situation like last year where he, you know, plays one out of every four games or something. No, he's he's going to be playing every night, I assume. Maybe he misses one early on or something. But this is 
this is someone who's probably one of the best players outside of the NHL. And I think Dorian has mentioned that. If if not if not Dorian, it was definitely, you know, a prominent scout. And, you know, you have a lot of people saying that before. I'm pretty sure David Runblad was one of those guys in the past. So we need to be careful when we say those sorts of things because there is an insane amount of pressure on Sanderson right now. And I just worry that he won't live up to those. But at the same time, I'm still incredibly high on him. And I think he can really change the dynamic of Ottawa's defense. You know, this season he's put up 24 points in 21 games as a defenseman, which is just off the charts. For comparison, Owen Power, who went first overall, he's only five months younger. So they were both born in 2002, but, you know, Power was a late birthday, born in November. So he's five months younger, Power is, and he has 26 points in 24 games. So Power has the slightly worse points per game, although, you know, we know know that points aren't everything for defensemen, but nevertheless... Power went first overall and is seen as this future stud defenseman. And I think Sanderson should be viewed in exactly the same way. I mean, we can essentially treat him as this first overall pick from this past draft because I think he could and should be that good. Who knows if that's going to be right away. I think that's a lot to put on a guy who is you know, going to be turning 20 in a few months in, in July, I believe. But I think long-term, there's a lot to be excited about with him. And it's crazy to see his highlights in North Dakota because it it seems like he's just a man amongst boys. And his offensive creativity has just improved so much where he's a legitimate two-way threat now. You know, he was drafted as a defensive defenseman and people were worried about his offensive upside. But... If you see any of the clips of his goals and assists, this is not just a guy who is racking up secondary assists and, you know, dishing it in the defensive zone and then having a forward go end-to-end. No, no, no. This is a guy who's leading the offense in North Dakota, and he's dangling around other defensemen, other forwards, making things happen, just being a menace out there. So... I think Ottawa's D can just look so much better by having a third really solid player after Shabbat and Zub because I've said this so many times, but Ottawa hasn't had three like legitimately good defensemen since they went to the cup finals. I mean, there's been previous points where they had, you know, Carlson and Mathot were good, but then after that, like there wasn't really anyone great. I mean, I guess at one point you could have said Patrick Weirkosh, who... I was a huge fan of, and I do, I do think he was good for a season or two, and I will take the, take that to my grave. But obviously, that didn't last long. So I don't know if we could really say that's if they really had three great defensemen. Um, so I think he can just really change the dynamics of things because all of a sudden you don't need to completely rely on that top pairing, and you don't need to to spread out Shabbat and Zub. So. Who knows if he's going to be the savior to come in right away. But, you know, he's going to be in Ottawa in a couple months. And it's it's going to be quite the spectacle to see him play his first game. And, you know, especially if he comes in and, and scores a goal or, or is making some great defensive plays. It's, I think he's going to make a big difference. So, 
<laughs> having said that, I, I don't want to put so much pressure on him. It's just really impossible to hold that kind of excitement. Now, moving on to a goalie who has just been talked about so much this this season and and over the past year and a half, I guess. It's been a quite quite a strange season for Matt Murray. And he was placed on waivers back in the fall, but is now back up in Ottawa. And based on his contract, he's going to keep getting chances to turn things around. You know, if he was making the minimum, he probably wouldn't be around. And, you know, he has the two Stanley Cups and everything. So he's going to get these chances. And it's weird because overall, he's only played 12 games this season. He's up to a 906 save percentage, which isn't amazing. I mean, that's like slightly below average. But he does rank 30th out of 100 goalies. So 100 goalies have played in the NHL this season. And he ranks 30th out of those in goal saved above expected at 1.81. So essentially he, compared to the average, or not the average goalie, but compared to the shots that were taken on him, he's saved 1.1 extra. And you you know he was expected to allow essentially two more goals. So he's doing ever so slightly better than average in reality. And even in his last five games, he's gone 3-0-2 with a 9.37 save percentage. So very encouraging lately. And I'm going to need to see that trend continue to 10, 15 games before I'm confident in him because we we saw some small stretches of that last season where he, you know, it looked like he was back. And then to begin this season, he just really cratered again. So we're going to need to see more of this from Murray, but it is encouraging at least. It just sucks that we have to analyze and micro analyze I guess every single game and see oh can we be confident in him and then you know maybe he allows in five goals the next game and then it's like oh okay well maybe not maybe he's not not back but besides Murray you know Anton Forsberg's been been fine as a backup but not exactly a guy that you'd want as your starter he he does have a higher save percentage at, at 9-11 but he's not a guy that you're going to want as your starter long term but overall, it would be quite insane, I think, for if Murray actually did bounce back from going unclaimed on waivers to then, you know, actually being a legitimately good starter. Who knows if he's ever going to reach those levels again? I don't think he's going to be some star level goaltender again, but hopefully he's at least playable. Like, I think everyone would take a 9-10 save percentage and be happy with that. You know, that's that's around league average this year. I believe 908 was the was the exactly that league average. And yeah, like at the, at this point the the contract seems like a bit of a sunk cost. I don't think we can focus on that too much as long as he's he's an NHL caliber goalie and hopefully somewhat of a starter, then we just got to take that. But so so long term I think they need a a different answer than Matt Murray and Hopefully that's Philip Gustafson or maybe someone like Mad Sogard, something like that. But yeah, it'll, we'll definitely have to continue microanalyzing every single one of his, his games, which, which isn't fun, but it is fun getting to tweet things like saying he has a 937 save percentage in his past five games because it gives us some, some hope. 
Now, the last thing I wanted to touch on is Eric Brandstrom. And he just got out of COVID protocol today. So he'll be back playing on Monday. And despite playing just nine games, it seems like he's finally cemented his role on this team. Surprisingly, he only has one assist in those nine games. But it, it seems like he's all over the place in a good way. And, you know, the last four games, he's played at least 20 minutes, which is a huge shift from how DJ Smith played him in the past. And DJ even said, quote, it looks like he's arrived, end quote, after the Pittsburgh game. And I just really hope that he can begin to trust him now because, you know, we, we, we've we seen his reluctance to play Branstrom in the past and we've seen that, you know, we've seen him get benched or scratched after making a mistake or two, which... I just don't think is the the right way to handle a guy like that who, yes, he's a defenseman, but he's valuable valuable because of the offense he can create. Like, I, I, I don't think you have him out on the ice because he's there to box players out, which a lot of people in my Twitter mentions have talked about, you know, how he's still not strong enough and he's he's not going to be good enough in his own zone, which, you know, there's probably a bit of truth, truth to that, but... A lot of people would, would have said the same thing about Eric Carlson. And not that Brandstrom will ever be Carlson. He won't. But I just don't think that every defenseman needs to be perfect. Because if you look at defensive defensemen, stay-at-home guys, they essentially have the same problem but the opposite where they can't provide any offense. So, you know, you, you got to... You have to look at things as... Like, you can't expect every defenseman to be perfect. Um, you know, even Thomas Shabbat is much better defensively this season, but I wouldn't say he's a beast in his own zone or anything like that. So overall, he's just looked phenomenal with the puck and he's making these great passes and just more confidence to make those plays, which is quite similar to Alex Formanton actually, in terms of, it just seemed like a, a bit of a flip of the switch where, now they can play. They can be in the NHL. They can. They're not afraid to make mistakes, and they're going for plays down. You know, down in the offensive zone and making these, making these dangles. And they're certainly they have their time in place. But I think Brandstrom is learning what works, what doesn't work, and I really hope he gets a bit of that leash from DJ, like I was saying. To, to try these things. And, and it looks like he is. And another thing is that, you know, Branstrom even got time on the right side with Thomas Shabbat in, in Pittsburgh where, you know, they were looking for a goal and he was playing on that right side because, you know, you need two offensive guys like that if you need some offense. And yeah, uh, Branstrom shoots left, but he said many times that he feels more confident playing on that right side. So, I would love to see him get a chance more full-time on that right side, especially with Jake Sanderson coming in, because I think long-term, a top four of Shabbat, Zub, and then Sanderson, Branstrom would be quite solid. You know, not the biggest top four, but if you're really worried about that, you can always have some bigger guys on the on the bottom pairing. I mean, how Tyler Clevin is, you know, probably going to be coming here in a, in a couple seasons, so... I would say worry about that when when we get to that point, but it's looking like Branstrom can play in the top four. I, I wouldn't say he's 
100% arrived in terms of what he is because I think he could potentially get even better. And especially because he only has that one that one point in nine games. But overall, he's just been very impressive in those nine games. And it's quite exciting, just like it, it's, it's exciting with, with all these other top players. So there's a lot to look forward to if you're if you're a Senators fan. And I would say the vibes are quite good right now. You know, you have uh, the videos after the game of the, I guess, I don't know what they call it exactly, but just like the MVP of the game where they get a bike helmet. And, you know, there's been some funny clips with Nick Holden and Matt Murray and Austin Watson, who um, was celebrating three years of his sobriety, things like that. So the vibes are very good with this team. The energy is great. It seems like they all like each other. There is a lot to to like about this team. Now we just need to see them take that next step in terms of, okay, add some guys in the offseason. Hopefully some of the young guys like Thompson and Bernard Docker and uh, Sokolov can kind of make that full-time jump next season. Because as of now, they're still not good enough. Like despite so many guys cementing their roles this season, they're still so far away. And that might be a bit discouraging, but overall, it seems like they're on that right path. And now (laughs) it's a bit nerve wracking because we kind of have to put a lot of trust into management with Pierre Dorian and and Pierre Maguire. But there is some hope moving forward. And it's been a lot of fun to watch, especially with essentially one game every two days. Going to be a lot of Sens hockey over the next I guess three months or so. So keep watching, keep listening. Um, that'll do it for today, though. Be sure to tune in next month as I count down to episode 100. As I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Cost for Pointcast on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. And if you really enjoy it, you can rate and review the podcast on those platforms as well. You can follow me on Twitter at ShackTS, read my articles at Silver7Sends, and also follow my YouTube channel called The Hockey Shack. If you want to submit a listener question for an upcoming episode, send me a message at CP Pointcast on Twitter where you'll get any updates about the show. That's all for me. Adios.